One of the biggest surprises for Gonzaga this past season was Ben Gregg, who emerged into a high-energy big off the bench who can really stretch the floor. How impactful could Ben Gregg be for the Zags next season? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today is our first kind of official season in review episode. We've done a handful of them when players have entered the transfer portal and players have declared for the NBA draft, and we kind of give them their flowers and their hurrah onward. But uh, what I've done with these in the past, those of you who are not only everyday listeners, but longtime everyday listeners may recall these uh, episodes from last season at the end of the year where we we discuss how the player the player's overall history, we discuss their best and worst case scenarios. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to play a clip from my episode back in October where I gave you my best and worst case scenarios for Ben Gregg. And then we're going to talk about how he did as compared to those best and worst case scenarios that we laid out. We're going to end the show talking about what we think Ben Gregg's role might look like next season. But we're going to start just talking about who Ben Gregg is and how we got to this point. For those of you who do not remember, Ben Gregg was a top 100 recruit in the class of 2020. He came in at number 86 on 24-7 Sports' rankings. He wasn't really on Gonzaga's radar for very long before he committed. Uh, I believe the story was that the Zags were, they were still recruiting Tread Holmgren, of course, at the time. They were also recruiting Paolo Bancaro at the time, which, man, that could have been something. Uh, when when Bancaro ultimately decided to go to Duke, or at least when he decided to not go to Gonzaga, it was shortly after that that Gonzaga extended an offer to Ben Gregg. Ben Gregg announced he was going to make his decision on September 9th, which I believe was his grandmother's birthday. He announced he was going to Gonzaga. It seemed to be the expectation by many that that was going to happen. He's grew up a Gonzaga fan. For those of you who follow his father, Matt Gregg, on Twitter, you've seen that basically every game day the last season or so he has posted a picture of Ben often at the trial center watching the Zags take on the pilots uh, at various ages. We've seen pictures of Ben as young as a child, as old as in his teen years. It's been a, a fantastic kind of journey. Uh, but, but one of those things where you could just tell that Ben always wanted to be a Zag. And now he is. And he got to be a Zag a half a semester or a half a year early, which was kind of one of my favorite little goofy stories. I, I don't know how many stories can be favorites that come out of like, COVID messiness, but that's effectively what happened here is that uh, Oregon State High School basketball didn't continue in the 2020 season, and Ben Gregg, who went to Clackamas High School, wasn't able to complete his basketball season, so he graduated early from Clackamas was able to start at Gonzaga a semester early. So even though his freshman year was the 2021-22 season, Ben played 18 games for the Zags in the 2020-2021 season as a pre-freshman. He was technically a freshman, but I kind of like to use the term pre-freshman because it, it almost didn't count. COVID was so weird and they kind of, I, I like what they did here. I appreciate that they gave him an opportunity to, hey, you don't get a chance to play basketball in high school, graduate early. I mean, you got to graduate first. We're not going to put you in college before you're done with high school. But if you do that, you're here. And and for Ben, what an incredible experience to to get an opportunity to join a team in the middle of the year, a team that had a tremendous season. He got to be, you know, on the sideline for a national championship game when he should have still been in high school. Like that's an extremely cool accomplishment. We didn't see much 
from Ben in that year, nor did we expect to, nor should we have, quite honestly. He wasn't necessarily ready to be a contributor, but he did get in 18 games. He played 55 total minutes. Uh, he scored 14 points at 18 rebounds and went two of eight from deep. So we saw glimpses. It was all in garbage time, as you would expect it to be. But still, for him to get that opportunity uh, as a effectively high school senior was was extremely cool that that was able to work out the way that it did. Unfortunate why, but cool nonetheless that it happened. Uh, and then Ben, in his actual freshman year in the 2021-22 season, we just didn't see much of him. He didn't have much of a role. He was behind Drew Timmy, one of the greatest players in college basketball history, certainly one of the best Zags of all time. He was behind Chet Holmgren, a true one-and-done superstar, an elite unicorn-style basketball player. He was behind Anton Watson, who, of course, emerged into a really, really highly useful offensive and defensive force for the Zags this past season, who was still a defensive juggernaut even that year previously. The Zags have run four big like rotations in the past, but lately we have seen it kind of dip down to three. And, la and that year in particular, Ben Gregg probably was the fourth big, but in years past, the fourth big might play eight to 10 minutes per game and might have a consistent nightly role. And in this year, Ben Gregg is the fourth big. He played 107 minutes total. And they were basically all in garbage time. The Zags just ran with Chet and ran with Drew and ran with Anton. And that was all they really needed for that front court on that on that 21-22 team. But we still got to see a little bit more from Ben. He played, like I said, 107 minutes, two and a half points per game, two boards, uh, shot 30.8% from three. That was four of 13 from the field. So again, not a sample size that's really worth uh, taking too much analysis out of. We knew that Ben Gregg was going to emerge as a good three-point shooter. We didn't really see that in those first tiny sample sizes. We, of course, saw it much more last year. And at the time coming into the year, and we'll talk about that more in the second segment as we do our our uh, we listen to Andy from the past and what he had to say in October uh, about Ben Gregg, but he kind of came into this year without a ton of expectation. It was unclear even if he was going to have playing time over Caden Perry, who of course did not play this past season because of an injury at the time, it wasn't clear what that was going to look like. Efton Reed coming in certainly seemed like the the likelihood of Ben Gregg being the fourth or even fifth big coming into the season felt pretty high, felt high. Drew Timmy, Anton Watson, Efton Reed all felt like they were going to be ahead of Ben Gregg on the depth chart. Caden Perry was unclear. We we didn't think that Braden Huff was necessarily going to play over him, but it wasn't at the time it wasn't clear if Braden Huff was going to redshirt or not. Of course, he ultimately did end up redshirting. Uh, and then what happened is shortly into the season, Ben Gregg earned his playing time. He moved past Efton Reed and he started playing more minutes. It really took a, a big turn in the fifth game of the season against Purdue. Uh, he had nine points, two boards, two blocks in nine minutes, also five fouls. That's not like a like this huge jaw-dropping breakout game necessarily, but it was very impactful. To do that against Purdue, who of course ended up spending a huge chunk of the season as the number one team in the country, for this relatively unknown kid to come in and drop nine points and block two shots in just nine minutes was tremendous. He That was kind of the point where he took over as the third big. And from that point forward, if you compare his minutes to Efton Reed's minutes, it's very clear what happened. He then had an even bigger breakout game a few weeks later. This one was against Northern Illinois, certainly not as high quality of an opponent as Purdue, but he had 18 points, seven boards, and three steals. That is a monstrous game off the bench, six of 11 from the field in that one. And by the time we rolled into league play, Ben Gregg was cemented in a role. 
throughout conference play. This is not including the conference tournament, just regular season conference play. Ben Gregg averaged five and a half points, 3.2 boards, just under one assist. He played exactly 12 minutes per game. That was his role. 10 to 15 minutes per night, give you a couple points, give you a couple boards, shoot efficiently from the field, which he did on two pointers during regular season conference play, 62.5%. 62.5%. That is unbelievable production from a guy who was kind of touted as a a stretch for more of a three-point shooter than anything else. He shot 33% in the regular season. He shot better than that outside of the regular season. So we saw a kid who was efficient around the rim, who was a dead-eye outside shooter, especially for a kid his size. Uh, he did it against everybody. We talked about doing it against Purdue. Sure, he did it against Northern Illinois, but guess what? He had six points and seven boards against UConn. There are not a whole lot of people who played well in that game against UConn. Ben Gregg hit a pair of threes coming off the bench, grabbed seven rebounds. What a story for Ben Gregg. And he followed the Gonzaga, continues to follow the Gonzaga development plan. And that's kind of what I want to talk about in the second segment. We're going to listen to my segment from October, Andy from the past. For those of you on YouTube, you get to watch a different clip of me from back then talking about what we projected for the best case and the worst case scenarios for Ben Gregg, whether he hit those or not. And then, of course, we're going to close out the show looking at his future as well. But before we do any of that, today's episode of the Locked on Zags podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Grand slams, no hitters and double plays are back and there is no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's right, because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. Maybe you Zag fans want to bet on Marco Gonzalez to get a win for the Mariners or perhaps Eli Morgan to snag a save for the Guardians. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, segment two, Stony Patton, still Locked On Zags. I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. And for you everyday listeners this week on the show, we're going to take a look at 2025 Idaho, a 2025 Idaho prospect that the Zags have offered a scholarship to. We're going to talk more about the transfer portal. Stephen Ashworth committed to Creighton. What does that mean for the Zags? Are there other guards besides Taryn Armstrong that they are invested in? Yes, we will talk about that later this week. And of course, continue our season in review series as well which is what we're doing right now. So I want to preface this again. I've said it a handful of times. We're going to play a clip. It's about two minutes long from an old episode back in October talking about what I projected as the best and worst case scenarios for Ben Gregg heading into the season. We'll see how right I was. We'll see how wrong I was. We'll talk about what changed, what was different. And then, of course, we'll close out the show talking about Ben Gregg's future. But for now, I want to introduce us for the first time this offseason to Andy from the past previewing Ben Gregg's potential impact this past season. Here we go. We are going to talk about what the best case scenario is for Ben Gregg. And in this case, it's getting consistent minutes. That's the best case scenario. He, up to this point in his collegiate career, he has not gotten consistent minutes. He has not carved out a role. That means every night when tip-off happens before the end of the game, Ben Gregg is going to play. And that is just something you know and you assume. And it is very surprising if it doesn't happen. And you start to wonder, is he hurt? Is there something going on? That has not been the case with Ben Gregg. At this point, if he doesn't play in a game, it's not that unusual. The best case scenario for him is that he gets to a point where every single game at some point, He's going into the game. 
The best case scenario for Ben Gregg is still probably only about 12 to 15 minutes per night. Obviously, injuries or something else could impact other players on the roster, which would allow Ben Gregg's playing time to increase. But if we're not talking about that, we're not making those assumptions. The best realistic case for Ben Gregg this season is a role where he is playing every single night and it is just over 10 to 15-ish minutes per game. Where those minutes come from is a little bit up in the air. Uh, it could be in place of Efton Reed, if that's a situation where Reed's not ready to play or they don't want to give him uh, minutes for whatever reason. Best case scenario for Ben Gregg, the last one here. He shows enough that when we're looking at the future roster, when we're looking at 23-24 with likely without Drew Timmy, uh, likely without Anton Watson, potentially without Julian Strother, we feel like we can pencil Ben Gregg into one of those spots, a consistent spot, and we're not worried about it. We feel good about Ben Gregg having a bigger role next season. What are the worst case scenarios for Ben Gregg? Well, the worst case scenario doesn't really look that much different from his first two campaigns. It's sporadic playing time. It's inconsistent. Maybe he ends up playing in about half of Gonzaga's games total. Maybe it's six and a half, seven minutes per game, a little bit more than we've seen in his first two years, but it's still all coming in garbage time and it makes it much more difficult to kind of gauge, hey, is this the guy who's really, how much improvement are we seeing from him? Uh, is he a guy who's going to be a bigger, big time player next season? Is he a guy who's ever going to be a rotation player on this team? It's just hard to tell. Well, that was a fun take at a, t a fun look back at Andy from the past and what we had to discuss about Ben Gregg at the time. It is very clear that Ben Gregg was much, much closer, if not fully on top of his best case scenario. We talked about him playing 12 to 15 minutes per night. He averaged 11.9 minutes per game last year. We talked about him potentially jumping Efton Reed for playing time. He did that. He did that early in the season. Uh, some of the stuff that wasn't in there, that was uh, two minutes of uh, about a nine or 10 minute segment from the previous episode. I didn't want to put the whole thing in here because that would overload the entire episode. But we did talk about him showcasing an ability to stretch the floor, showing some improvement on defense, all the stuff that, that ultimately happened. And the, the worst case scenario stuff was basically him getting buried on the bench uh, behind Efton Reed, potentially behind either Huff or Perry, stuff that did not happen in part because Caden Perry was not healthy and Braden Huff redshirted, but I don't think that that impacted whether Ben Gregg would have played over them or not. He looked fantastic all season long, and I think clearly proved that he deserved to have that playing time. And it wasn't just the outside shooting. We've kind of touched on that a lot. And he shot 37.7% from three last year. That's really, really good uh, for any player in college basketball. It's exceptional for a six foot nine stretch four. Uh, but he also was a, was a fantastic rebounder. And I want to make sure we highlight that as well. He had 1.3 offensive rebounds per game. His total number of offensive rebounds was 18th in the WCC. That doesn't sound super high, but he played 12 minutes per game. 18th in the WCC means that he had more, like every single team has two post players. There's 10 teams in the WCC. It means there's 20 post players, 20 starting post players in the WCC. Ben Gregg had more offensive rebounds than some of them, certainly. Uh, and, and I mean, for him to do that in 12 minutes per game is just exceptional. He was a, a workhorse on the offensive glass. He was a good defensive rebounder as well, but uh, you know, and I think he's still got some work to do defensively, but his ability to hedge screens, his ability to, to play defense away from the rim was something that the Zags really needed. I think that was, was something that was in Efton Reed's bag. It was kind of one of his skills, but he didn't, he was kind of the only post. I mean, Anton Watson, phenomenal at that. Anton Watson, phenomenal at all aspects of defense, but it wasn't Drew Timmy's strength. He got better at it, but Ben showed more skill there. His 
one-on-one post defense still needs some work. And that's just stuff that it just takes time to develop that. Uh, he has gotten so much physically stronger and bigger since he was, since he first came to Spokane. I mean, so much bigger. And that is starting to show up. You're starting to see him muscle guys around, grab offensive rebounds in ways that he might not have physically been able to do in previous years. So, so you're seeing this growth not just in his skill on the basketball court, his processing, his IQ, his his knowledge of where to be, where to go, what to do, but also just a physical glow up, stronger, faster, bigger, all of that stuff. And when you combine those two things and you kind of, for me, it's just Gonzaga has this development program. And if you buy into it, it's not a guaranteed success, but I mean, man, it sure seems like Gonzaga doesn't miss very often. If you buy into the program, if you wait your turn, if you know that, hey, I'm going to take over after so-and-so, I'm going to take this spot. Like, And it's always a competition. It's always, I don't know what they told Ben Gregg when they recruited Efton Reed. I don't know if they told him, hey, man, like, you know, the, I doubt they said, well, there's no way you're going to play over him because that would just be bad coaching. But I, I, I imagine there was some level of competition or some level of conversation about, hey, you know, you, you got a little bit more competition for playing time now. So you got to prove it. And they were very willing to give him that opportunity if he did. And I mean, it only took a few games. It only took a few games and, and I don't think that the reason that Ben Gregg jumped Efton Reed had to do with how Efton Reed was playing. Efton had some issues early in the season. He was, seemed a little bit, he was still getting acclimated to the offense, but I think Mark Few and Gonzaga would have given Efton Reed more opportunities to get comfortable in the offense and play more minutes if they didn't feel like they had a better option, but they did. They did. Ben Gregg was a better option. He's more familiar with the system, which certainly helped, but he just played better basketball. He took better shots. He knocked him down at a higher clip. He, you know, is maybe not as impactful physically defensively. I mean, Efton Reed is huge, seven foot, 240 pounds. But Greg, I mean, Efton averaged like nine and a half fouls per 40 minutes. Like he just was not playable because he was committing so many fouls. And that combined with Ben's just kind of superior uh, understanding of Gonzaga's offense and defensive sets just allowed him to play more minutes. And once he got that playing time, he clung onto it for dear life and did not let it go. And seeing a player do that in Gonzaga's system, knowing how hard they had to work behind the scenes, it's what you want to see. It's the kind of story that quite honestly is, I don't want to say dying in college basketball. That sounds too dramatic, but it is going away. There's no debate that it is going away. And for Ben, the opportunity now arises for him to take an even bigger role next season, in part because of Efton Reed's departure, of course, because of Drew Timmy's departure as well. And that's what I want to talk about in the third and final segment. Greg is continuing to grow. He is continuing to develop. And now the results for him next season could be really, really significant for him and for the Zags. We're going to talk about that right after this. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zach, still rolling through our season in review series here, talking about Ben Gregg, talking about his history, how we got to this point. We talked to Andy from the past in the last season and his best and worst case scenarios for Ben Gregg, and of course, how Ben did compared to those scenarios. And now we're going to close out the show talking about the future. And this is part of the reason, again, for those of you who are everyday or longtime everyday listeners, I did a lot more of these season interview episodes right after the season last year. This year, the transfer portal has been madness. So we have been covering that. But also part of it is this final segment of what is the role going to look like next year? It's hard to do. 
it's hard to do for players who are coming back. Ben Gregg is about as safe of a player on this roster who's not going to enter the transfer portal. He's not going to go anywhere else. He is coming back. I'm not, there's not any mystery there. We're not making any wild assumptions that Ben Gregg is suddenly going to enter the uh, transfer portal. I don't know why he would. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But I don't know what his role is going to look like next year, not because of him, but because I just don't know what the front court is going to look like. Here's what we do know. Drew Timmy is not coming back. He has said that adamantly multiple times. He has not officially announced a declaration for the NBA draft, but there is, there's not really any mystery here. Efton Reed has entered the transfer portal. There is always a chance he comes back. I think his odds of coming back may be slightly higher than either Dominic Harris or Hunter Salas's, only because he will probably have to apply for a waiver in order to play next year. So he, if he doesn't think he's going to get that waiver and he would have to transfer and sit out an entire year, I could see if Gonzaga wants him back, and that's part of the conversation there as well, I could see him coming back next year. But I'm assuming that Drew Timmy is gone. I'm assuming that Efton Reed is gone. After that, it gets very murky. Anton Watson right now has not made any level of an announcement. I think I've talked about him on every single show, at least in passing. We still don't know. My assumption continues to be that Anton Watson will declare for the NBA draft, but he will maintain his college eligibility and ultimately he will return to Spokane. That is my belief. That continues to be my belief, but we don't know as of yet. Caden Perry, is he healthy? Is he going to be a college basketball player going forward? I mean, he's missed so much time. He had the serious back injury in high school. He had the serious ankle and, and foot injuries. I don't know if uh, at this point, I don't think you can count on Caden Perry to be anything just because we don't know the health of him. Of course, the coaching staff knows more than we do. They may have a sense of, hey, maybe he is going to be a guy who steps up and can give us some fourth big minutes next year. But right now, he's a complete mystery. And so is Braden Huff. Less because of injury. Bra Braden Huff's less, there's less concern that like he's not going to play next year. He's, he's redshirt season is over. Presumably, he's healthy. He's ready to go. But what kind of player is he going to be? How impactful can he be in his first year, even after redshirting? Is he a guy who steps into a significant role right away? Is he a guy who plays fourth big minutes right away and kind of just gradually grows his playing time like Ben Gregg did? Like, what does that look like for Huff? And also, like, I think Huff and Gregg are fairly similar players. They're stretch fours. They're not rim protectors. They're more outside shooters types. Like that's kind of the, the, the description we've gotten of Braden Huff. That's what scouts have said about Braden Huff coming out of high school. We haven't seen him much yet. So that's an interesting dynamic here as well. Uh, right now on here on April 18th, as I'm recording this podcast, I believe the starting four and five for Gonzaga next year will be Anton Watson and Ben Gregg. That is because they have not made an addition in the front court yet. Anton Watson at the five is your low post scorer. It's, it's impossible to replace Drew Timmy, and he wouldn't get that kind of usage because Drew Timmy deserved that kind of usage because of how elite he was. Anton's not quite there. But having Anton be that low post, you know, feed him the ball down low, let him score in one-on-one -on -one situations, let him facilitate a little bit, uh, makes a ton of sense to me. He's more than capable of playing that role. May not be as good offensively as Drew, but certainly – has a bigger impact on the defensive end of the floor. And then Ben Gregg playing that stretch four role, high-low offense, getting Anton the wall, ball down low, stretching the defense, shooting threes, all that stuff, totally makes a lot of sense to me. But what if the Zags land, for example, Graham Ek? 
And we talked about EK on a recent show. For the record, I called him Graham Ike, and I want to apologize for that. I should have looked up how to pronounce his name. It's a mistake that I've made a few times, and I'm trying to get better about it. So I will work on that in the future. But Graham EK from Wyoming did not play last year, was a monster for Wyoming in the 21-22 season, 19.5 points, 9.6 rebounds by all accounts. He was in Spokane this past weekend doing a visit could be a situation he's picked up a crystal ball from Travis Branham at 24 seven sports. Uh, when Travis gives you a crystal ball, you often end up going to that program. So I think there's some significant optimism that Graham EK could end up being a zag very soon. EK Watson, Greg is a really solid three man front court. They're all about six, nine. So there's the zags would be a little bit smaller next year than they have in the past, but that, I don't know exactly how the playing time would shake out there. I'm honestly, I think there's a chance that EK would come in off the bench and that Ben would start in part just because of the roles that they play. I think Watson and EK both starting. I'm not sure it works. It, it could work. I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like it doesn't work, but the, neither of those guys stretch the floor at all. So you would kind of be short on shooting. Of course you have steel venters. Uh, you have Nolan Hickman, who's a very solid outside shooter. If Malachi Smith returns, that helps a lot. Dusty Stromer is a guy who I think can help stretch the floor as well. So there's options, but it'll be interesting to see what Ben Gregg's playing time looks like, because I don't think the Zags are planning. They're not going to recruit over Ben Gregg. They're not, I mean, they, they may recruit other bigs. They they are clearly recruiting other bigs. EK, they didn't bring him onto campus just, you know, for him to see the sites. Like they're trying to add front court players, but they're not recruiting over Greg necessarily. I think they still envision him having a significant role. For me, I think that Ben Greg is going to play between 20 and 25 minutes per game next year. I do not know whether it will be as a starter or as a high level reserve. I don't know. It's impossible to know right now because the roster is still in so much flux. But I think he's going to have a bigger role. And I think, and I don't, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but like if, if when the season starts, Ben Gregg's not starting, I don't think that that's like a panic moment. That's probably a good thing. Maybe not necessarily a good thing. It's, it's not a bad thing. Let's put it that way. You want talented players coming off the bench. Ben Gregg is unquestionably proved last year that he could start for a lot, a lot of division one programs. But if you fancy yourself a team that's going to be back in the elite eight, back in the final four competing for a national championship, you need to have starting caliber players coming off your bench. And that has been more difficult to do in the modern college basketball era, because players who believe they can start other places don't necessarily want to stick around and be on the bench. I don't really blame them. It's not their fault. It's just a circumstance that is why it's so valuable to have a player like Ben Gregg, who played a solid role last year, proved he's capable of playing at this level, and is going to come back even into a situation where his playing time might not explode up to 30 minutes per game. It'll probably be a more steady climb than that for next year. And that's okay. And I'm glad that Ben, I hopefully feels that way and is kind of ready to take on a bigger role and still not necessarily be the man because I don't envision him being the man next year, but I envision him being critical to what Gonzaga does because of his outside shooting, because of his tenacity on the offensive glass, because of his ability to play defense away from the rim, because of his improving strength and development and growth all of that stuff point to Ben Gregg being a critical part of what Gonzaga does next year. In exactly what role, it's impossible to say. We already talked about the uncertainty with Anton Watson, with Graham E.K., with Caden Perry, with Braden Huff. We didn't even mention uh, the two international prospects coming in. Both of those guys are 6'8", kind of combo 3-4 hybrids. Are they going to play more at the 4 position? Uh, Yo is a fantastic rebounder in the U19s for South Korea. Does that mean that he's going to be a 4? I don't know. So there's a lot of uncertainty. 
that's what makes these kind of season and review episodes a little bit more difficult to do right now. Uh, the next ones will probably be Rasir Bolton or Drew Timmy because this final segment isn't relevant when talking about what they're going to look like on the team next season. I'm very encouraged by what Ben Gregg could bring to this team next year. I think it could be really impactful, more, more impactful than he was this past year in a bigger role, really showcasing all of his talent. Whether it's as a starter or coming off the bench is very hard to say. I would just caution for any fans out there who are hoping to see Ben Gregg step into a starting role next year. Even if he doesn't, that does not mean that he is not going to be a significantly more impactful contributor, which is, or, I mean, he was already great last year. For him to even bump up from that would be tremendous. It'd be helpful for the Zags. It'd be helpful for Greg himself, helpful for Mark Few, everybody out there. And I think that that's what we're going to see regardless of whether he ends up starting or not. All right, that is going to do it for me today. We got more of these coming your way later this week. We're also going to continue to hammer home all of the players the Zags are interested in in the transfer portal, what that looks like for their future. We'll talk some Zags in the NBA stuff. DeMontis Sabonis made a lot of headlines for his tussle with Draymond Green. Rui Hachimura made a ton of headlines for his monster game for the Los Angeles Lakers. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about recruits, transfer portal stuff, some Zag baseball. We got everything covered right here, locked on Zag. So don't miss an episode. Make sure you are a part of that everyday community here on Locked on Zags. Thank you all for listening. And of course, as always, go Zags.